And so this idea, this is what we call like a limitless relationship. There are no physical limitations between you and other people. Hello and welcome to Medium Energy, where we explore technology, being human, and how to find the right balance between the two. I'm your host, Evan Helda, and I'm here to learn with you about tools like spatial computing, blockchain, and artificial intelligence, and how they're all converging to reshape our world. If you want to take full advantage of these tools, while staying grounded in the real world, you've come to the right place. For deeper dives into all these topics and more, please check out our newsletter over at mediumenergy.io. We'd love to have you as part of our growing community of thinkers, creators, and doers. Cam Mullen is the CEO and co-founder of NeverMet, the number one VR dating app in the entire world. So think the Hinge or the Bumble or Tinder of the metaverse. Kim was also a founding team member at two successful startups that had notable exits, Spin, which was acquired by Ford, and Yik Yak, which was acquired by Square. Now, if you're still on the fence about VR and anything metaverse-related, you'll likely wince at the idea of relying on virtual worlds and VR to find love. But here Cam out. He has a compelling and defendable perspective, and I challenge you to expand your mind and think about the ways in which the world is changing. I think you'll enjoy this one and find it quite fun. I mean, who doesn't love love, right? And Cam's also just a really great thinker and a fun conversationalist. We ended up covering some really interesting topics and ideas I think will leave you thinking a bit differently about connection, relationships, and why there might be some real upside here. So enjoy this jaunt into the future of romance. If you like this episode, please share with a friend. If you can take a few seconds, please leave us a quick review and give us the number of stars that you deem worthy. It really helps our efforts to grow this thing. All right, I now bring you Cam Mullen. Cam, let's start by calling out the elephant in the room. Uh, what you're building is kind of polarizing. I think when I talk to people about Never Met, I often get a pretty averse reaction, right? Most people just can't fathom the idea of finding love in the metaverse or, or in VR. Now, whether you actually need to even convince these haters is a different question, but say you were up to the task. How do you convince people that what you're building is a good thing, that it should exist? So... Thanks for having me. First off, I uh, um, excited to dive into all this with you. Um, ultimately, we know never met's a good thing based off of our results. We've had over almost two million matches. We've had dozens of marriages come from never met. We've had countless really? wow. success stories and meaningful relationships. I talk to users all the time and hear about this. So we know the positive impact we're having on our users' lives and their social lives and the relationships they build and uh, how important that is to their life. And so I think I know that we're having a positive impact uh, there. And I think when it comes to convincing people, I, I don't really think that there, often people might say like, it's not for me. And it's not my job to convince someone that it's for them. Like every mm -hmm. person in their relationships are different. They can choose what's right for them, but I can help inform and bring to light the reality of what's going on to help people mm -hmm. make informed decisions, whether like to even, you know, social VR is, is worth experimenting or trying for them or maybe um, dating in VR. That's, I, I did not, I would not have expected to hear that you had marriages and in, in that much successful real world outcomes. That's awesome to hear. You know, in talking to your users, what are they saying are some of the main advantages to dating and connecting in this way versus the current approach, perhaps? So 
the current approach, most people in 2023 meet online. That's the new normal, often on these dating apps that everyone has seen. Uh, and um, that experience is pretty superficial, where you're mm-hmm. liking and passing profiles of people, making split-second decisions whether you're interested in them based off a picture of them and how physically attractive they are, how physically fit they are. And so um, that works for Victoria's Secret supermodels and and Sports Illustrated models and, you know, stunningly beautiful people. And yet um, the majority of people have have a tough time. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that's led to a lot of uh, um, negative feelings towards uh, these dating apps. And ultimately, VR and never met enables these personality first relationships. So personality you get to, first. Okay, that's interesting. You get to connect with someone and be exactly who you want to be as an avatar in a virtual world. So it doesn't matter what you physically look like in the in the physical world. You get to have these quality time experiences doing all sorts of things you can do in VR. And I'm sure we'll talk about these. And you get to kind of see if there is a vibe. And one user told me once, like, once you fall in love with someone in VR, it matters a lot less what they look like. And so people will fall in love and maybe, and and some people will do a face reveal where they actually show what they look like over a video chat and many will end up meeting up. And as I mentioned, you know, we've had dozens of marriages now. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, today on these dating apps, like I'm getting sick of swiping. I'm getting sick of trying to spark conversation. Even when you do, it's such a low bandwidth form of communication and interaction that that idea of feeling a vibe, it's so hard to get that with, you know, text-based, picture-based dating apps. So uh, I'm sure people are sitting here wondering like, what the heck is Never Met? What is is this user experience? Can you you give us a quick download on what the app is, what the user experience looks like, how it actually works? Yeah. So um, I assume people listening have some experience with VR and XR in the industry. I would just set the stage by kind of explaining the state of social VR. Um, And what's going on right now is there are a few very vibrant social communities in virtual reality. And there's there's VR chat, there's Meta Horizon Worlds, Roblox just came to Oculus Quest. And there are, in VR chat specifically, there are, I think, probably like, there are two to three million users using this platform, we think. Mm-hmm. And they're building worlds. There are about 50,000 worlds where you can do anything you can imagine. You can do something as wild as flying and jumping on clouds or just having a private movie theater to yourself. And there are people running around in VR chat with avatars that they've either purchased, borrowed, or using, and look like anything you can imagine. Some are humanoids, some are animals, some are objects, some are jalapenos. You could be anything. And so Jalapeno. this is Wait, the, question. Like, what would you be? What are you? Oh, I have is so your many avatars. I, have, I change all the time. I have, <laughs> Different I minutes, I have like, right? favorited like 30. So um, of course, and, and sometimes you forget until you look in the mirror and you say, oh, I wish I want to change for this party. Um, anyway, but this is kind of the metaverse we've like read about in books where mm-hmm. there are so many worlds you can hop around, you can explore, you can play games, you can go to uh, clubs, you can go to art galleries, you can go to events. There's always stuff going on. You can meet new people, you can see old friends. And, and so that's the state of what's going on. 
And mm. now, like, if you imagine having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner, it makes this experience like much better. You have someone to share it with. You have someone to play the games with, to go to the club with, to go to an art gallery, to hold hands with, to, to world hop and explore, someone to cuddle with and watch a movie. Like it's so much better when you have a partner, someone to do it with. And so naturally, like people have started meeting, bumping into each other and dating um, even before Never Met. And so, you know, just to kind of explain this a little bit further, you're like when you're on this date with your partner, your avatar is exactly what you want to look like. You can feel totally comfortable in your own skin, no matter what you physically look like in the physical world. And your partner, you're attracted to based off of their personality and the avatar they chose and their voice and what they tell you and how they make you feel and the things you like to do together. So you're with someone that looks just like you want, you look just like you want, you're kind of your best self. And this person feels like they're right with you, even if they're many miles away. And so this idea, this is what we call like a limitless relationship where there are no physical limitations. And that's our vision. That's what we're doing. There are no physical limitations between you and other people, no matter what you look like physically, mm. where you are physically. And, you know, you have access to 50,000 worlds and 50,000 dates for uh, basically for free. And so that's the vision. That's what we're trying to create. And Never Met is a matchmaker, which I can show you and we can talk about to help connect couples to experience that. And then it's their choice, whether they do a face reveal, whether they take it to other apps, other platforms, or take it IRL. And for most people, the dream of a romantic relationship is to start in VR, get to know someone, build that connection, and then eventually take it IRL for monogamous yeah, yeah. kind of traditional relationships. Yeah, of course. The idea of showing up as your truest and best self is really compelling. I haven't thought about it that way, right? But this, when people are able to be more expressive and then also be in environments and doing things, be it jumping on clouds or being in a movie theater, I'm sure it just bring sides of people out that just wouldn't come out in a normal setting. And so you can maybe get to know someone quicker, faster, more, more deeply. Yeah, that's, that's compelling. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm convinced, but I'm curious what some of the most common objections are you get from people that you're trying to raise money from or people that you're trying to get on the platform. I, I imagine you have to face some friction here. The, the story you tell is compelling. What is the most common uh, objection you get today from investors or future customers? I think with investors, it's all about how big your market is and how big it could be. Mm. And so they talk mm -hmm. about the total addressable market or the TAM. And I think one objection is the VR TAM is small. It's, you know, maybe there are 20, 30 million headsets out there, two yeah. or three million active users. It's a pretty small pond. And so even if you're a big fish in that pond, it's not that big. Um, and yet, and, and many of those people maybe don't believe graphs they've seen from Goldman Sachs predicting how big the market's going to be, or they haven't necessarily felt the, uh, they haven't experienced something so joyful that they're like, this is the future. And so I think that's one thing investors has been kind of a, some people get it. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to have a team of people that um, believe in what we're doing and the, the market and the vision. So, um, 
but not everyone thinks that way. And, and question on that though, is it tied to VR? Like, is it, is it only a VR headset experience or can we have this experience in a browser? So the all, almost all of these platforms are going multi-device from yeah. HMD virtual reality headset to computer or, or phone. You know, you see Roblox on all of them. VR chat is about to launch a mobile uh, Android app. It's like in beta right now. Um, Horizon Worlds is reportedly coming to mobile. It actually already is on mobile. You can try it. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, it's all, it's all kind of meshing. Um, um, and yeah, I guess the other complaints or like a friction we, I hear is people believing that, say, why would I want to try that? Like I have everything I need in the physical yeah. world. Like I have a, I have a great life. I have like girls or boys or partners or non-binaries that I want to, that I have in the physical world that I can be with. Like, why would I go in here? Yeah. It can't be better than this. And I think that in many ways, I hear that from folks who might, in some senses, I wonder if they're very fortunate and have benefits and luxuries in their life that most yeah. people in the world don't have. And that's not why everyone's super extroverted, think, right? Not everyone has or, or, a big social life opportunities yeah. to go out and meet. And yeah, I totally get that. And like go out to d- expensive dinners or clubs. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and to like have a social life here, it's like incredibly expensive. And so um, it's just not really accessible for it's it's only accessible yeah. for a tiny portion of people that are probably more vocal in um, kind of even the press. So that might be one thing. I think the other is uh, um, it's hard for people to imagine meaningful relationships for couples that meet and hang out digitally. I think like boomers mm. and even millennials have this understanding and in their head of what a meaningful relationship is and it's very physical and very IRL and so it's hard for them to even imagine it's tied to the rom-coms they watch in the 90s right or even beyond longing for the past a lot of them have yeah my my classmates loved the notebook in middle school that was the (laughs) iconic relationship and and you know there wasn't any digital hanging out there Um, but you look at Gen Z and this next, this market that's like growing and getting older and they're super digitally native. They've made tons of friends online. It's exactly kind of how they interact. And so we see that becoming normalized, not just kind of to older generations, but also as the younger generation, you know, gets older. So, um, I think, yeah, I think the, the over time, the average like stigma perhaps of digital relationships will mm-hmm. normalize just like, you know, meeting not through a dating app has. You remember when, you know, the first dating apps were like, there was a huge stigma attached. Like, why would you go online? And now literally over 50% of couples meet online. That's like the majority. So it'll, it'll take some time, I bet. But um, yeah. benefits tend to like outweigh um, perceptions. Absolutely. So we talked about there's a certain kind of person that probably gravitates towards this more than others. Are you guys doing anything to understand the demographics of your users, understand personality types, lifestyle types? Like, are you getting any kind of granular data on that? Yeah, it's hard. We haven't done enough to really dig into all mm-hmm. the unique personalities and archetypes of users, but there are some mm-hmm. things that stand out. 
one thing I keep noticing is I will meet users and they're living in towns I've never heard of, small towns across the world, a lot in the US, a lot in Canada, um, in Europe. And so there are a lot of people in, not in the New York City or LA or Chicago okay, or Miami, yeah. the high population areas where you'd expect to have the higher population of users, especially, you know, if these are more affluent zip codes that can afford the expensive headsets. But I think um, it attracts people that might be might not have a lot of people in their vicinity or a lot of options of things to do. There might be like a couple movie theaters, a couple like a movie theater, a restaurant, a couple, uh, you know, a couple activities. Whereas in VR, they have access to so much more. And so I think that's one like really special thing that I've seen where you know there are people from um, more rural towns per se uh, able to yeah. connect and 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 uh, enjoy the benefits of these like um, you know limitless dates and limitless experiences. We see that. Um, and, you know, 75% of our users are 18 to 24. So it's super, it's, uh, it's very Gen Z on the young side. Um, um, it skews a little heavier male. Um, we have a big LGBTQ community. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure we'll learn a lot, but it kind of, everyone's different. It's hard to even bucket together people in these, like, Segments yeah. when um, um, everyone has their kind of unique story of what brought yeah, them to be. Sure. But they're oh, they're all they're early adopters of tech. A lot of them are creatives. A lot of them are builders. A lot of them are engineers. Um, people that are comfortable with debugging and figuring out how to connect base stations and trackers to their body to make their avatars oh, wow. legs and knees and joints move there's a lot of like really? high tech wow, cool. stuff you have to do to be at the like yeah. top of your game in vr and so <laughs> you can't be a you know like set, you set filter in the settings only only want to find people that have uh, the full haptics and the you, you can the so on never that you can that sort stuff, by really? You sort by wow. full body tracking and then you can find people that oh, can, cool. you know, when you see them at a, when, at a club and they're dancing, it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's so hot. <laughs> it's the, in the community, like yeah. there are, it's such an attraction to have like more expression. It's some, some people have 13 point trackers with eye tracking. And so when you see them move, it's just like so much more fluid. And so, um, it is kind of interesting how the thing, the kind of those unique kind of things that are especially mm -hmm. attractive in, uh, you know, in XR. The last question on the user experience. So it sounds like there's a matching component and a swiping component of sorts, right? Like, a, it's, which, which, is, so, which is an isolated experience then. Um, like the going into a horizons world, right? Like that happens first. And then, and then I guess what I'm curious about is how, how, how do you even get into these third party experiences? So NeverMet is an iPhone and Android app. I can show you how it okay, works. I'm that, yeah. And so you, people make profiles with their avatars, no IRL faces allowed, and they'll link the games or metaverses they play. I this see. person's in VR chat, rec room and Roblox. And I might see that this person likes horror movies. And if I were to match with this person, I could say, Hey, I see you like horror and you play VR chat. Like, mm -hmm. why don't you come with me Friday night to this Halloween world? And I, we can like walk through the haunted house together. And she says, yes, I say, yes, I put on my headset and she puts on her headset. And we get to have this experience together, even if she's thousands of miles away. And, um, 
we get to feel like we're together. And as mentioned, we can see where it goes from there. We might take it to Discord. We might play other quest games. We might play other metaverses like Rec Room. Um, and so we're uh, never met as this inter metaverse matchmaker. We're agnostic mm. to what platform you're from, and whether that's mm -hmm. VR Chat, Horizon Worlds, Avakin Life, Second Life, um, Zepedo, Roblox, and, and Neos VR, and more. And so people will match and then they'll decide what dates or where they want to go from there because people jump between these things. There's, there is some loyalty, like people have a favorite, but, um, uh, there's often people that have multiple games and multiple like experiences they like to do yeah. for different things. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's project out into the future. Like your your vision statement. I'm curious what you tell um, employees, uh, people you're recruiting, investors. Like what you view the world, how you view the world in you know 20, 30 years. Right? AI is taking off and ubiquitous. Um, VR is a lot more common. AR is more common. What is the picture you paint for people in terms of what dating looks like in the art of courtship in 20, 30 years? You know, in a word, we say limitless relationships where yeah. through VR and beyond, where you're able to connect with people without any physical limitations. That's really the vision. That's what it's all about. It's beautiful. It's personality first. It's, it levels the playing field. It makes the world a better place. It's, you know, personality first. That, that feels key to me, right? It's like that yeah. show on Netflix. What's that show on Netflix that's pretty big it's right now? It's like you, Love is Blind. Yeah. Love is Blind. Yeah. It's a more, it's a more uh, I guess, fun, interactive, experiential, adventurous version of Love is Blind. And I think there's so much beauty in what that show shows people about like what love really can and should be. And that's probably... One of the biggest challenges with dating today is that you, you meet someone and it's, it's all based upon looks at first on those pictures. You have that first date and you're kind of making the decision within that first 30 seconds to a minute, just based upon their, like their looks their body language. And you're probably dismissing them way before you even should. Uh, so I think that, that to me is one of the more compelling why is behind what you're doing. For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And even before that point, the filtering that goes out before the first date, it's like, so there's so many biases in everyone's yeah. head about the way someone looks and it like, and, uh, it's once you have all this context and all these other data points about why you like someone, it like matters so much less, the superficiality stuff, like the shape of their nose. Um, I, I guess the other thing that's just so important to share is like, these experiences are so fun. I, I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking yeah. about like this past weekend, I was with a friend named Bunny and we were at this after party in VR chat and people were playing pool. It was after this kind of big event and it was like a casual room, people hanging out. And then um, her boyfriend had this avatar that was like a mini, like this mini little anime character and with like <laughs> short hair and, and everyone started like, and this, this avatar had this special feature that could like spawn a car, like one of these drag racing street cars. And it's like a tiny little car. And so you see this little person in this tiny little car and then you clone it. And so we ended up all being the same avatar, like doing donuts 
in the car, <laughs> like in this chill room where people are standing there like giant avatars. And I like jump in the car with Bunny and she's like driving, doing donuts, like, like, like burning out the tires. We're like zipping around. It's, it's like so wildly fun. And then at one point we like all got out of our cars and like popped the, popped the hoods and like stood in front of them. And everyone was being these like, these like street racer hoods. It was just this like ridiculous role playing wild thing. That's just like so much more fun than any kind yeah. of first date you could go on and 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 indep- it didn't matter at all like what people looked like or where they were from it was just like oh my gosh this person's so funny like this person made me laugh like great idea like let's do this now it, and then you know you put take get out of the headset and after that night you're like what a, that was an amazing day like or amazing night so oh, those are the types that. of experiences that like i want i i want to highlight to the world more i think the mm-hmm. more people see how cool and these dates are and these experiences are like the more it will actually like grow the community because there's like even you know there are a few like stigmas attached with this like why would i go into vr when i can you know stay you know do something else at irl and like for many of us we're just in our homes anyway like watching tv like this is definitely more engaging and more social and more fun than that so um yeah, I guess it's just like that's the message I, I'm trying to figure out how to communicate through content, through yeah. storytelling, through all sorts of things that can like attract all sorts of, you know, everyday people. All right. Let's, let's go back a little bit to the beginning here and, and learn more a bit of, uh, about you. And first, g- give me a little background on yourself, kind of your work history, how you got to this point with Never Met. And then what was the inception of this idea? Like, wh- when did the apple fall from the tree and hit you and, and what was the kind of revelation that pushed you into wanting to go pursue this sure so like i've been so attracted and passionate about creative technology my whole career and i mm-hmm. in high school and college were making apps and websites i learned i made a music app and website and i ended up making a polling app and i kind of learned how to make apps um and then and those were my own businesses I started. So I kind of got the experience of what it was like starting a business. And um, I graduated college and joined this company called Yik Yak. I was fortunate to be like the first or second employee there. And it was, uh, I was fortunate I joined, you know, we raised $1 million and then we raised $10 million and we raised $62 million from Sequoia. Wow. We were the fastest rising startup. And I got to have a front row seat you know, working for the co-founders and building a, you know, a growth plan to take over college campuses with this viral app. And um, ultimately that business kind of uh, got a aqua hired by Square and, and resold later. And um, I joined another startup where I, it was an electric scooter business where I was leading marketing and worked there for a year at the startup. And then it got acquired by Ford and I got to see what it was like going from like 10 people to a thousand people under Ford. And so again, working directly for the co-founder, getting to kind of get this front row seat of how this works, how it grows, how do you make these decisions? What are the decisions? Who, how do you hire, how do you go from two engineers to 20? And like, what is the marginal benefit of each one? And what, yeah. what is the impact investors are having on the decisions that the co-founders are making? And when is it healthy? When yeah. is it unhealthy? And so I, I, and then ultimately I, uh, um, 
I, I was doing while I was at Ford, I was doing nights and weekends, like exploring VR. I took, mm. uh, you know, I started with 360 videos. I remember one of our mutual friends, G10, taught me one day <laughs> the difference between three degrees of freedom and six degrees of freedom. And that mm -hmm. was in like 2017. And I remember that was like such an aha moment for me where I was like, I, I, I finally it clicked on me, like what the potential of VR could be. That was really like a huge moment and for me. And uh, ultimately, anyway, so I take a course, I go do this eight or eight or 12 week boot camp, how to make unity apps. And uh, the professor of the course, it was at Upload VR and SF. The professor teaching yeah. it was Stellaris Knight, who's now my co-founder. And so, oh really? The Very cool. Teach the teacher of the course, who you know knew everything about VR development back and forth, um, uh, ended up becoming a great friend of mine and a great partner. Mm. And we ended up uh, building casually, and then um, went full time and and uh, and raised a, a little bit of money. Um, in 2021, when we started, we the idea one wasn't never met. We oh really? We're really excited about social VR, and right. we were really excited about VR development. And we built a first app called Cheerio, which was how to make friends in VR. It was a it was a matchmaker for friends, um, and we kind of ended up finding that a lot of guys were looking for girls. And we ended up building <laughs> this other app called Couch, which was the first app to watch YouTube together in VR that wasn't around. We literally built the first one. And we saw a bunch of people on dates in these private rooms watching YouTube together. And the more, and so all the while we're measuring retention and engagement to see if there's product market fit. That's kind of the mm -hmm. two indicators we look for. And um, Couch, the second app was a lot better than the first, but it still wasn't up to our standards per se. Um, and VR in general, it's just really tough to have good retention. So, you know, maybe it was in a decent ballpark. But when we launched, never we, we end up learning that in VR chat, there's a ton of dating. It's hard to meet someone. You when you go in a public world and you walk up to someone, you don't know their age, you don't know their relationship status, you don't know if you like them. It's kind of nerve wracking, and so we figured out this this problem that we could solve with uh, Never Met the app that I showed, and uh, um, our V one was kind of a smash out the gates, and our retention was really really strong, um, and we felt like we we you know we we're onto something. So we went all in on that, and uh, um, and now and it's that came out valentine's day 2022 and so it's been about a year and a half and okay. uh yeah it's been you know now we're now we're uh uh the largest vr dating app in um you know in the space and uh yet it's a space that we think will hit an inflection point um in the coming years and and really you know become a, a well-known brand that's awesome that story is great it's a classic example of what happens when you just get out there in the world and start with the most basic thing, which is learning, like learning the platform, the technology with going to the class about unity and then how everything can just fall in place from there because of the action you took, you met your co-founder, you built something and just got it out in the market. You let the market tell you and pull you towards where the demand was for something. You observe behavior and you reacted to it. So that's a really classic uh 
entrepreneurial story of like what success looks like and how success is achieved, right? It's not just have an idea and try to go out there and force it down people's throat. It's be uh, nimble, you know, observe and, and react. It's kind of like this idea of, um, it's called the OODA loop. This is like a fighter pilot term, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. It seems like you guys were doing lots of OODA loops all along the way as you're building out that, uh, that social product all the way to where you are now. I, I just read a book by this fighter pilot that explained that story. I don't know how OODA loops, is that like a well-known thing? Yeah, it's a well-known thing. Or how um, do you know oh about God. it? I mean, I was a fighter pilot geek as a kid. My uncle was in the Air Force. That's where I learned about oh, it. No but way. there's a there's a really famous um, uh, Boyd, uh, something Boyd. There's a, he's like the f- most famous fighter pilot uh, in history, really. He was the guy that developed all of the um, kind of fighter pilot st- or uh, U.S. Air Force strategies during the Vietnam War. And he was the one that really helped Establish how to dogfight, and he was like the best dogfight, wow. uh, the dogfighter, uh, really out there statistically. And then he went and like helped work with the U.S. government to figure out how to best deploy fighter jets in combat. It's an interesting story because he had an insane outsized impact on how the military uses fighter jets and fights modern day warfare. But he never got he, he was, he's never promoted to general. They, they kept him subdued at these lower, lower ranks because he was just, he was very rebellious and he didn't really conform to like the traditional modes of, you know, falling in line as a, as a soldier, if you will. And so despite him having more impact than any general uh, at that time period, he never quite got there. So it's, it's a good book. Definitely suggest checking it out. I think it's a good book cool. for entrepreneurs to, to read. Yeah. Just about how to trailblaze and how not take shit and, how to how to kind of have values and stick to your guns. Um, nice. Anyway, yeah, OODA loops. OODA loops can be deployed in, in all kinds of ways, business or, or personal life. So, okay, so that's, that's an awesome um, history of how you got here. So what's on the near-term product roadmap? Like what are some cool features we should be looking out for and getting excited about? So it's, the truth is we're, we have to be super agile. Like every year at, Meta Connect, we learn what the new features are coming out mm-hmm. and what they're building and what's going to be possible. And it often takes a year after that to actually build using these things. Um, a famous example of that is like Oculus, the, the Meta Legs came out like a week or two, like before the next conference. Anyway, um, I think so so we're very agile and we look at the market and kind of our planning sprints and what the next most important thing is to do, you know, a couple sprints in advance. I think, you know, big picture, we want to help people form these limitless relationships and build them mm-hmm. the tools that actually solve the problems they're having. We've learned the hard way that you can build apps that are like we've built VR apps that might make it easier to communicate with someone when you're in the headset. And yet there's so much friction to actually like charging up the headset, having the headset turn on, having the app, having the updated version of the app, waiting for the app to open, and then like going in there and checking your messages. We had a messaging feature that that was the steps you had to take to view your messages. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, there's so I say that because a lot of people get in the trap of building for on the cutting edge tech thinking that like that's going to somehow have a benefit to users when there are a lot of like user friction points to experiencing the you know highest fidelity experience. 
Um, and that being said, a couple of things we're excited about are um, Meta has this new thing called Augments, which are these, uh, um, they've announced these things that are kind of like, my understanding is they're almost like floating apps that can live in your space. So as hmm. you scan your home, you can have, you know, I could set up this as my home and instead of next to Babe Ruth here, we could have like, um, there could be, I could have my never met app all the time open there. There are things you can do like, and then go from that into a full immersive 3d experience or, um, or more. I think, you know, a lot of people ask us like, Oh, why don't you make your own dates? You know, never met a matchmaker. Why don't you build the movie theater mm. that you can go on a date to, or why don't you build the, like the bowling alley to go bowl at and the truth is like because there already is a bowling app that's pretty good yeah. called forever bowl and and there's already a, yeah yeah then there's a youtube app that's pretty good too and so we'd rather work kind of you know like traditional dating apps today will connect you and kind of leave it to you to figure out where to go on a date we think in the future we'll be able to say hey Evan and Cam, you guys just matched. You both like this pink, like you both like sports. Why don't you try this app together? And it could say, oh, try, you know, 11 yeah. ping pong. And maybe we direct people there and, and it's super, it's like, oh, cool. And we have a great, you know, play date playing ping pong. And um, there are business opportunities and partnerships we could have for that too, that, you know, you can't have in the physical world when you're across thousands of cities, but in XR you can because everyone has access to the same tech. So some of that stuff's pretty interesting. Um, I think, you know, we want to just listen to what our users want. They want more filters. Users want to be able to search for filter and segment their audience for people that fit their criteria a little more. Um, we don't currently have location-based filtering, but it's something that our users are wanting. So meeting people in Europe or meeting people in my country or my state, there's some requests we get a lot. Um, and I think, you know, we'll see what happens with the actual social VR market. It's a um, VR chat is kind of the big King Kong and uh, uh, and Horizon Worlds is getting better and better and better. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens with Roblox. We'll see what happens with a lot of these mobile metaverses if they go VR. We'll see what happens with Fortnite. They're doing some really interesting stuff. So um, I think I expect more communities to find Never Met as a place to matchmake within their community instead of VRChat, which is our big market. I expect to, um, you know, still exist and be strong, but have other communities also in their matchmaking is something that we're um, trying to figure out how to serve, you know, in parallel. So. Those are some like kind of nitty gritty things. So we talked a bit about the mixed reality headset from Meta, the Quest 3, the Vision Pro. I think spatial computing uh, is getting to a point where we can actually merge the physical to digital in some compelling ways. How, how are you guys thinking about what the app looks like and the experience looks like when augmented reality is a thing? And like, are you thinking about, you know, maybe the first date is a real world date, but there is some kind of AR component. Like what are some of the, things you're envisioning or kind of pre preparing for in your mind on that front. What do you think? What, what, what do you <laughs> imagine when you think of, you've done a lot of AR. What do you, like, what does the AR dating app look like to you? How does it work? 
the idea of little games, little moments in real life, you know, playing chess with someone, right? You could be on a date and as you're conversing, you realize you both love chess. How could you really just in that moment dive into that shared experience and you could just boom, populate a chess board? I think that's, that's one idea. I think one of the more interesting ones is like the modern day masquerade ball, right? Like think back to I, the, the times of the Renaissance, like, like the most popular thing to do um, was go to these parties and put on a mask. And there was a reason that was so popular because it allowed people to not really be themselves or to be their truest selves without any kind of implications to it. And I think that's been something that humans have craved for, for centuries. Right. And so I think in many ways you're kind of just taking that and amplifying it in all kinds of ways. But yeah, I'd love the idea of like going to a real world, a real world party. And let's be honest, like people are superficial, right? They want to, they have a certain body type or certain height. Those things can and do matter. But if you could maybe mute them a little bit and then put on the masks but then have them also still shine. Like that could be a really interesting way to go out in the world and, and date and kind of have these like overlays and then do the reveal, just like you guys do reveals in, in the VR experience. I have to imagine like the idea of sort of the, um, what are those rooms called where you have to go solve problems is, is a name for those escape rooms. rooms. Escape rooms, right? Like escape rooms with, with augmented reality and where it's, it's physical and you can touch. I think that's the big thing is the touch part, right? And I, when I ask people before this interview, like, what's the, what's the first thing you think about when you think about like dating in the metaverse, their first concern is like, Oh, like, what about that feeling of holding hands? Um, and just, um, yeah, basically the, the physical touch component. And so I think trying to figure out how you could capture this limitless experience you're able to do in VR, but then incorporate the physical touch part would be something that I'd be thinking about and trying to figure out for, for AR. It, well, the physical touch part, there's phantom touch, which is like a real thing, which is phantom even touch. if you don't have haptics on and you're with me in VR and I give you a, what's called a head pat or I like touch you or I touch your arm, like mm -hmm. phantom touch is the sensation that you're actually like feeling it even when you're not. Mm. Um, you can kind of imagine that that and uh, and of course you can buy haptics that you can set up to your avatar that do vibrate and things certain things yeah. are touched of course um, that's like super high tech um, but yeah I mean I think I think that the sense of presence is really is really palpable even without the physical vibration or the touch and so like being mm. with someone in a room is like. Um, is, is uh, you can feel different. One of the coolest examples I have of this is like, there's a, there, I built a world, we built this app where you could, it was like chat roulette and you could meet, you, someone would pop in the world and you mm. could hit next or like uh, keep talking or next, kind of like chat roulette. And if you hit next, someone else appears. If you hit next, someone else appears. And if you hit stay, they stay. And it was, and then, Another um, comp another app came out that was uh, kind of exactly like Chat Roulette. It's called Omegle. There's Omegle VR, and this was uh, they were streaming a video of your avatar, and you hit basically next or stay. Same idea, but one was 
the 3D avatar in front of you that you could look around. And the other was just like a video chat, but with the avatar on the other side. And those kind of seem like the same thing or at me to me at first. I'm like, what's the difference? Like, why wouldn't you do the more like, present one where you can look around the person versus them being behind a screen? And what we found was when the person was like physically like 3D in front of you, it was mm-hmm. way more like in your face and you felt like you were insulting if you hit next and they would judge you and they felt like like you were more mm. kind of in person with them and higher stakes. Yeah. But when it was a screen, it was super easy to be like up oh, next and they're like totally gone. So oh, wow. I think yeah. there is some like sometimes or one lesson I feel like I took from this experience was even though the the most cutting edge, most immersive experience might be using, you know, 3D or, you know, 3D AR versus doing some like weird version of a screen with the avatar behind it. Like yeah. sometimes those those more familiar experiences are actually easier to adopt. And maybe if you're more used to them or whatever. But um, yeah, that was just like a crazy thing to me because it, it, in yeah. the end, it's like, well, they're both screens. So why do you care if it's like a screen that, you know, has some magic that makes it look 3d or if it's you know a screen but uh yeah that was like that's a really interesting insight that we we carry with us that's a fun that's a fun observation uh something that came to my mind as you're saying that one thing that i think would be cool for you guys to create that is more of an immersive experience would maybe be um like speed dating actually set up like rooms and get people together and then just do the speed dating thing and then you can go from there into one of the game worlds, but I imagine that'd be relatively easy to build that and set it up such that it wasn't huge investment on y'all's part. Have you thought about speed dating and what that could look like? I mean, it's not too different from a Omegle chat roulette idea, right? Mm -hmm. Except maybe it has filters for gender and, you know, intention behind it. Um, Yeah, we're, we're thinking about that. No doubt. It's a, I mean, there are different ways you could do it, right? You could do it either in 3D completely, um, or you could do it AR, both, whatever. You could do either of those. What avatars you use is another decision that comes up. Do you use, you know, Meta, the Meta's avatar SDK, which are kind of all have this certain aesthetic. You let people upload whatever, kind of whatever they want, which is kind of what VR chat looks like. Um, Does it... You know, it's hard to get concurrency. That's a problem that happens, uh, you know, especially mm. with Meta when it's hard, you, you know, you can't really get on the full store very easily. So you have, you have to kind of figure out how to get a lot of people on the app at once. Um, but those problems are all solvable. It, it yeah. could be done. I think the magic there is like, you know, on a Friday night in Brooklyn, like, and if I'm home alone, and if I'm someone who's trying to go on a date right now at 9.30 p.m., like, with today's technology, like, I can't really, it's too late. I can't match someone on Tinder yeah. and meet up with them right now. You have to, like, you have to, in the, with the kind of the traditional apps, you have to kind of plan ahead. You have to plan 24 yeah. hours. Oh, tomorrow night. What about Friday night? What about next Tuesday? And yet, the fact that you could be 9.30 p.m. here and there's someone else 9.30 p.m. in a different building in some other city who also wants to go on a date, there is that kind of like immediate opportunity to find someone right now, right here. And I think, you know, people don't want to wait. And so I think that'll be like a really kind of unique thing that XR solves. Like 
finding someone to go on a date with right now that some of these uh, XR solutions actually are the are, might be the best fit because you match right there, drop a portal, boom, now we're in the movie theater or boom, we're in playing mini golf or, you know, whatever we want. So I think that'll be, yeah, that's an exciting space that we're trying to figure out how to best serve. But, you know, that's cool. That, that makes um, me, um, makes me think a lot about the upside and the downside. The upside is the accessibility and the exposure to people that you never otherwise meet. But you, you wonder if, oh man, this just increases the optionality that much more that how do you get people to actually settle in and settle down and not um, be quick to move on to that next VR stage because it's so, it's overly accessible, right? It's almost like the inverse of um, what, what grandparents talk about. Like, oh, back in my day, it was so easy to meet someone and just commit because they were just right in your village. And <laughs> now now it's taken now it's just the, the doors are blown off that entirely the commoditization of dating right like the commoditization of dating yeah it's like it's a that's a really interesting topic like how that's changing culturally how that's and it's not just on like dating apps too but like you know when you go on instagram or when people go on social media there's so many like um I don't know, like temptations for people, like things that are yeah. like things that hurt monogamy. Right. Um, so, yeah. and to the, like, you know, I have friends that tell me like they're in, like they don't even like to go on TikTok because like sometimes TikTok will sh like show like a girl dancing and then the girlfriend's like what the heck are you doing watching that and he's like i don't know it's the algorithm, like, the algorithm it, know, it knows who you, you know, really like, are though it knows that you're actually looking for that yeah, yeah or it's like or just like so, so there are there's a lot even be it just culturally going on like what's going on with dating yeah. right now it's like if you look at our i think one interesting thing that i was thinking about recently was um, like imagine a, uh, a girl who face tunes or photoshops every picture she uploads to Instagram. Yep. And I'm, can you think of one? Like probably. Right. So, <laughs> so, and, and so many guys or, you know, straight guys in this situation are like falling in love with this profile, this digital, mm -hmm. digitally rendered, this digital version of someone. And so I wonder like, once you kind of realize like you're like someone is falling in love with this digital version of someone that they kind of is like perceived as human perceived as very it's bit, IRL it's kind of a lie, really is right well i mean perhaps it's almost I mean, worse than it. it's like how, a version of an avatar but it's you trying to be this version of you that you're really not whereas at least if you're like a stick of butter or jalapeno you're not trying to fake anyone out you're just being expressive in a different way Right. Whereas like the thing I mean, you're talking about is a little bit, it's misleading in ways that avatars, I don't think are right. Right. This is a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there, the expectations aren't that you look IRL like your avatar. You know, if you have some, like, if I'm a goth boy with like tattoos, like you're not expecting me to look like that IRL. That's just culturally. Or if I'm a tiny little anime person with a street car, like you don't expect me to exactly. have those things yep. versus like maybe in, you know, when you just touch up something or remove a pimple, yeah. you like kind of are expecting them not to have a pimple. And, and so, <laughs> exactly. and yet I, I don't think that that's really 
you know, people don't really shame on that. That's kind of normal. Like we put gel in our hair, even on a day-to-day basis, or we dress up or we try to Mm -hmm. look a certain way or perceive a certain way. And I think that that's expression. Um, What's happening though, is I think the power is shifting from almost like those that are born naturally beautiful with those that maybe have the tools and skills um, to, to make it look, be perceived as such. Like if you're an incredible photographer and an incredible editor, for example, you have a leg up. And so on Instagram, for example, or your dating profile. And so it's interesting that like the skills that will make you attractive are like kind of learned or might be an expression of style or taste rather than just the shape of your nose or, you know, your, how clear your skin is or something. So I think that like some of those themes that we're already starting to see, like maybe we are already kind of falling in love with like digital versions of ourselves on Instagram or on dating apps that are edited. And so the transition to, you know, avatars isn't as, you know, you know, already has some basis baked in. So that was something I I kind of was just walking, thinking about, but um, um, I haven't necessarily formulated how it, how it all connects and, and in a convincing manner, if it even could. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many philosophical questions to that. And I think it's a good segue to another topic that I think you have a lot of interesting thoughts about, which is identity. We're talking about how do we really show up and present ourselves in these virtual worlds? And then how does that affect who we actually are in the real world? And then which version of that, ver- which version of that expression is our true self? Is it the physical one or is it the virtual one? I'm curious what your thoughts are about identity. Like what is your kind of thesis about identity today and how it's evolving and how you guys are influencing it? Oh man. I mean, what we see is there are people that feel their true authentic self in VR when they can, they can be exactly who they want to be. They can, date whoever they want to date. They can be, they're in this community that's super welcoming and open-minded and Mm non-judgmental, which is true. That's really like at large what it is. And so, and and if you're in a community where your, your personal beliefs or your desires don't match the expectations of the community, and you can imagine across the world, tons of communities where the culture outside is strict or doesn't accept um, all sorts of people. That's the world we live in today. And so, so people mm-hmm. that feel like they can't be themselves comfortably or safely in that community, like there's that identity can come through in VR super, you know, and, and they can feel safe doing that. And I think that's like one huge theme um, that's exciting and, uh, and powerful. Um, I think, you know, there are many parts of identity that are interesting. I think that many of us have, I think humans have kind of secret parts of them that everyone Mm -hmm. is afraid to share, no matter like, you know, it could be an insecurity. It could be a problem. It could be a, it could be a special interest. It could be this thing that you, you know, you might think doesn't fit in or you don't even want to talk about because yep. it's taboo, but you really like it. And and it's like a big part of you. And yet you've like 
boiled it, you kind of bottled it up and never talk about it and you think, oh, yeah. you know, this isn't for me or I can't try this, whatever it is, everyone, maybe you can think about one thing for yourself or you know someone and you'll never talk about it. You're like, it's like such a mm -hmm. secret and, and you don't even tell like, your most closest friends. And so I think everyone kind of has something like this mm -hmm. or, or almost everyone. And those types of parts of identity right now are mm. kind of bottled up and often people probably uh, die suffocated. with bottled up yeah. and yet and yet I yeah think and you gotta that, imagine like, that like that that bottling up is probably a big part of some people's mental health crisis and problem right they just they don't ever get to have that release valve and um they keep on trying to perform right their life is a performance and they just get tired and they get exhausted and just depressed they can't be who they truly are so i think that's a that's a fascinating idea it kind of has this mental health angle to it and I guess you just have one identity, like in like I have a social security number, I have a full name, I have this I this track, I have this one LinkedIn page, this one Facebook, this one Instagram, and so you start. You can imagine, you know, with uh, you know, online there are people with that can at least like explore a little more safely their interests, and they might do it in incognito browsers or on Reddit accounts or whatever they do, or in VR, like they can kind of more safely feel like they can be themselves. You have that famous joke, like, like, or like that, you know, people, people's internet history being so kind of like secretive, because it's maybe mm -hmm. the things they're actually thinking about and why privacy is so important on the internet. So anyway, like, I think, I think um, there are lots of parts of identity that are interesting. Um, I, what do you think? I mean, you also maybe see it in crypto. Like you have identities of people that are, you know, crypto billionaires that you have no idea yeah. who they are IRL and they have these huge identities are on Twitter. Like it's not just in the corners of the internet. It's kind of everywhere. Yeah. And th those people are able to get big and famous because they are saying things that they even admittedly would never say as their normal identity. And, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be an important part of the future. I think you're gonna have people that um, thrive that way because they're able to go off and deploy skills and versions of themselves into the world that um, would be a detriment to their identity as a father or as a CEO of a company. But maybe the message they have as that, al that alternate version of themselves is a really important one or the product they build is a really important one. And I think you're gonna see, it's almost like thinking about all the entrepreneurs and artists and creators they all have so much talent and now you can kind of bifurcate that in all kinds of ways, maybe get like a multiplier effect out of these really talented creative people because they can go off and like deploy their skills in, in a variety of ways. Uh, I think that idea makes sense. I think that's an interesting thing to, to monitor as we go forward here. I think where, I, where identity gets even more wild is when you think about AI and the fact that like here I am doing this podcast, and I'm going to have you know, tons of text data, tons of video data that I can use eventually to train an LLM, plug it into an avatar, and then push that version of me out in the world to do interviews <laughs> or to go into never met into, into do, um, speed dating. Uh, and that's, that, that's going to happen. And that's a, that's a, that's an exciting, but also a scary thing in many ways. Uh, so I, that's actually a good segue to AI. I, we had to talk about that a little bit. Um, I have to imagine you guys are thinking about how to take advantage of this generative AI craze. Are you guys doing anything today with LLMs and how are you thinking about incorporating AI over time? So, yeah, I, no doubt it's a 
exciting space that we're watching closely and it's just like fascinating to see how quickly it's moving and improving and uh and what a time to be alive it really feels like that every day um i think a couple things we've seen um we've seen ai help people respond to dating messages there are apps that let you kind of screenshot a conversation what do i say back and they can mm-hmm. they can read and kind of come up with a witty line you can steal and and use. And so in some ways that's helping people maybe connect that have a hard time um, with that part of the you know texting process. We've seen uh, there are these kind of like virtual boyfriend girlfriends that uh, that pop up that these kind of like AI girlfriends that you can chat with that will check in on you, ask how you're doing, and will respond when you talk to them and can kind of make, make you feel some type of companionship or loved. Um, and, you know, we've seen those, we've studied them and they're, uh, you know, some are very popular and some cultures are more open. I feel I've heard that, um, you know, that type of behavior, like that uh, in Japan, there are a few, uh, like there may be more open to that type of, that might be more fulfilling culturally to more yeah. people there today. Um I think our users haven't expressed an interest in that. You know, we definitely we we could build a, we could build that, and yet it's something that our users haven't really wanted. Um, and you know, maybe it'd be a fun experiment to try anyway. And you know, yeah. we could always turn it off. Um, it seems there's a. I mean, one of the questions that we could think about is. You know, at that point, particularly, you've seen the movie Her. I imagine it's like an amazing mm-hmm. movie, and 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 is our like how important is it for humans to fall in love with another human, or like, or is the real purpose just to feel loved? And if you can mm-hmm. feel loved, does that solve the problem independent of like how? And so, I think that's a question. I don't know. I, I think people will be different. There'll always be preferences. Some might. There'll always you know, be a polarizing one, right? I mean, like yeah, scientifically, love is just in a, it's just an emission of certain chemicals in the brain that creates a feeling and you feel connected and you feel warm and fuzzy. And if that comes from an AI, so, so be it. Um, but for others, it's all about like that kind of more mutual experience. And it's, it's going to be hard to know the difference. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard when you're texting someone, if they have their AI responding or if they, it's them responding, or if it's a combination of the both, both like right now I get emails and sometimes Google says like, great, thanks. And I just click it and hit send, you know, it's already, mm-hmm. I'm already getting a, you know, already kind of getting some help. Um, um, but we're, you know, what we're seeing, I think, I, what else can you imagine with AI and the dating kind yeah, of? Yeah, I've had a couple real, ideas like in the mind as, yeah, yeah, as you're talking about a couple ideas. I think on one hand, you don't really have to do anything for you to benefit from the AI craze. To your point, other people are going to create AI-based avatars. They're going to be in VR chat and yield interesting experiences. For example, it could be um, like an AI wingman right then that could be actually a feature you incorporate is like you have people you match with and maybe you want to go recruit like an ai wingman and maybe he's you know a certain type of character and you kind of train him on how to pump you up and then you go out and you guys play together and he's like kind of a a guy that rides along with you 
The wingman one, I've never heard. That's a really good one. <laughs> that would be a, everyone wants a wingman. Yeah, exactly. Who who doesn't? I, I, I can't get out there by myself. Though. That's for damn sure. Um, all right. So as we kind of come to a close here, a couple, couple of rapid fire questions. Um, as someone who is trying to facilitate love in the world, I'm curious, what is your favorite love story of all time? Um, oh, man. <laughs> I think the truth is you never know what someone's relationships really like. You only know your own. You'll, if you look at Instagram and you see a happy couple that's celebrating their anniversary, you have no idea. It looks perfect, but you have no idea how it really is. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. And so, so often the only relationships you really know intimately, like are the ones you're a part of. And I think that that's a kind of the, 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 the actual truth, kind of the non-sexy mm -hmm. answer, but the re real one, like, um, well, th this this is more a question about love stories in the realm of fantasy, Hollywood, books, movies. Is there? And by, and by the way, this actually brings to mind an idea of going into a virtual world uh, on a first date, it's like third date, and you get to be Aladdin, you're Jasmine, and we get to go on a magic carpet ride, right? That mm. would be an awesome date template, right? Yeah. And you could partner. You could partner with like Disney. You could partner with Pixar and do you know. Uh, oh, that's cool. You you could be Woody, and then I don't know who the little the, the girl that is like she she has her little bonnet and stick, and she like is a shepherd. I think I don't know what <laughs> she does. Uh, but you could like you could like ro role play basically. I think the role playing is like yeah. a really cool opportunity here, and that's also where maybe AI comes into play. You could like role play, and actually back to the AI question, I think that's actually one of the coolest use cases is AI to help people get better at conversing and more comfortable with approaching. Uh, I, I read somewhere some crazy stat. Um, I don't know what it came from, but it was an actual study that showed a crazy percentage of, of men who are Gen Z and, and below, even millennials, are just super uncomfortable with approaching a, a woman in, in, in the real world. They don't, know, they don't know what to say. They just don't do it. And so maybe maybe ai can play a role to kind of get people more comfortable you could then go into vr chat and be a better um conversationalist and then then have that also lead to better results in the real world so uh, a little call back there yeah. to the ai question <laughs> a coach yeah yeah coach, i gotta yeah, think exactly. about my 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 like dream or my uh idol couple i think i i don't follow you know that I don't I, I don't know even know the, the celebrity couples well enough to really idolize. Um it's so how about like a Disney couple one. I make believe I don't I don't I don't even <laughs> yeah it's like a, a, yeah I mean, that's what I mean like a Disney couple. I mean yeah, yeah. I can't here let me just think for like ten seconds. I think uh gosh man I don't have a good answer. I don't even really remember <laughs> I haven't seen Aladdin forever but that how is can a founder of bringing love into the world not have memorized every famous love story in history to then I deploy that into your like, product? That, I just, that should be, I just a, that should be the, a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> I study the like the like behaviors and patterns that make good relationships, but um, it kind of yeah, that's important. Like, the the best ones are really all about like 
the slow burn, liking each other for the right reasons, like sharing common mm -hmm. visions, sharing common values. Like it's not about the pet peeves, like looks really don't matter. It's about like connecting with the person on, on deep levels and like sharing the mm -hmm. same goals, sharing the same values, like not having deal breakers and good communication, all the things that like, those are the things that really matter and have people stay together who want to be in, you know, long-term monogamous relationships, which is even a, another, you know, a, a big if. Um, but yeah, I guess like, I want to say like something cheesy, like, like, uh, like, like Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner or something. Cause because that's a good couple. That's like, that's <laughs> like a, that's I didn't even like know good, they were that's dating. That's a cute couple. That's, I, I that's think news they are, to me. That's a power couple that, right I there. Haven't, I, haven't, I, I, I think um, even before I asked the question, I didn't have a good answer. But as, as you were talking, I think my favorite love story is probably Hitch with Will Smith. Okay. Have you seen Hitch? Yeah, I can't remember who falls in love, though. Is it? Who, who's well, they, the they, they both fall. The, I think. So he's a coach. He's trying to help. Um, I forget who the actor is, but he's trying to help him uh, be attractive to this woman. And the reason the movie is so great, and it kind of harkens back to our conversation a little bit, and I'll ask a question that ties off this in a second, but the reason it's a good story is because Will Smith, he can't practice what he preaches, right? He tells the other guy to do all these things and behave this way and pursue love in this way. And then when he starts falling in love, he just... He can't even put it, his own stuff into practice. And so it's really all about kind of him overcoming um, that and him um, walking, walking the walk that he likes to talk. And uh, I think it's Eva, or Eva Mendez is who he falls in love with, I'm pretty sure. Right, right on. I love, I just thought of one. Um, so there's a movie called The Tourist with uh, Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp. And okay. um, it's this... And actually part of when you come on to Never Met, uh, we send daily messages with some tips on how to do well for the first week. And one of them is how to master the art of the opening line and mm -hmm. um, how to ask someone on a date is another one. And there's this theme that I love from this movie and I'll send it. Maybe you can play it if you want. Add it in right here. Uh, yeah. You'll see how Johnny Depp like picks up angelina jolie like and angelina jolie actually like coaches him through it so it's kind of meta thing um she it's the question she goes like like ask me uh, ask me to dinner and then you'll you can see what he how he responds invite me to dinner frank what would you like to have dinner women don't like questions join me for dinner too demanding. Join me for dinner? Another question. I'm having dinner. If you'd care to join me. But uh, it's a, <laughs> that's a really, that's like a really kind of, a, it kind of shows some of the kind of the mystery and the intrigue that actually like, it is super compelling, I think, um, in relationships. It's not like there are these kind of magical things that um, people really kind of desire and lust for and mystery and, and mm -hmm. kind of the excitement. And it's not all about just like showing all your cards and expecting like people to show each other their cards. There is still these like bits and kind of this these games and love games that are like 
um, like exciting and of course can be taken to the extreme and not be healthy or like, you know, like stressful. But um, how would you say your experience with seeing people fall in love and these relationships and never met, how has that affected how you approach relationships? I think you've kind of talked about uh, different things that you believe make good relationships, but I'm curious, like, have you changed at all? Has this helped you evolve in a certain way as someone who is or will be a partner in the future? So I have a girlfriend of um, five years and I think that I've learned the importance of long-term, slow-burning love Mm. in long-lasting relationships. And I also see a lot of people fall really fast and often the hottest burning relationships are kind of the quickest to burn out. And mm. I and sometimes I see that on with never met people are like, you know, the relationships only last a month or two or something just like in the physical world. Um and so I think I've learned the importance of like the slow burn and like the sustainability and the things that matter, you know, for 5 years in a relationship that makes me still in love and in my relationship and like super happy are the things that um matter more than the like kind of the cheap superficial things that yeah. um kind of a weak mind can get attracted to so totally. um, that's one that's a good one yeah people tend to make that feeling of passion and like that, that fire that explosive chemistry be like a, a primary um, contingency to want to move forward with, with a relationship, but oftentimes that fire is what's going to burn you, right? Like that, that passion is there because it's based upon something that's not really healthy <laughs> and not yeah. really grounded, right? It can be anxiety that's actually like making that fire happen, and that anxiety mm-hmm. actually is like not a good, necessarily a good long term thing. But you feel like you have butterflies, and you're like, oh my god, I have butterflies! I love this person, but it's really just like, like it's also just anxiety, which is you know, yeah. doesn't sound as good. I, I wonder if there's ways for you to incorporate some of these more like lessons learned type things about love and relationships into the app. Because so many people don't read the books you read or don't have the experience with love, yeah. like successful ones that you have had or others have had. It'd be interesting to like combine into the app something that was yeah. to help people like kind of a way for people to be more aware of their own feelings and what they're experiencing. Almost like a love therapist in the midst of your dating. And there's another AI use case right there, right? You you can go on dates and then right afterwards you talk to an AI therapist that helps you kind of interpret what you experienced, how you're feeling, how you're thinking, and then can kind of guide you to, you know, make better decisions or, you know, help you understand how you should re-engage with that person down the road or, or whatever it might be. But, um, cool. That's, that's a, that's a good one. No okay, doubt. So that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Last two questions. Um, this is, these are the two I ask every, every guest. What do you think is the most common misconception about this notion of the metaverse? I think one is how many people are actually using it. And what's fascinating is like, 
that term, the metaverse, also is defined differently. Some people associate it with crypto and you know decentraland and different coins that are you know in metaverse, mm-hmm. like in the metaverse side of that industry. Some people think about Meta directly and Horizon Worlds and that being the metaverse. And um, like for me, it's, you know, it's the 3D internet is how I think about it. And um, Mm -hmm. I think like the biggest, like a lot of people, I don't think really get like how powerful the VR chat community is and how like tight knit and how strong it is and how amazing it is. It's just like, I don't think that word is out on the street yet. I don't think mm-hmm. people really, if because once, and it's hard to really break through all the layers. If you hop in as a new person, you're like in this world and you can't really talk to anyone, it's crazy. But once you have friends and you get invited to, it's like private worlds, everyone's doing private events and you kind of have to like, have, mm. it takes time to get in. But once you're in, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The people here, there's so many people here. They're so interesting. Like the avatars are so creative. Like my friend Soup has this avatar that's like a cool girl and, and she has no stomach. It's like a robot stomach and this, she's just kind of floating and it's like so cool. And it looks like it looks like cyberpunky. It looks like um, anyway, I guess how many people are doing it is, I think, surprise. Like e- yeah. even if it's two to three million a month or like that's a lot of people. And yeah. Um, and uh and how good it is. I think it's like so hard to get to that point that even someone in our industry, like how many people at AWE conference, like even use VR, you know, it's such yeah. a small percentage. It's I'm shocking. guilty of it, Mike. Oh. I, I, I love the technology, but I don't even use it that much. I have a high bar and um, I think a lot of the experiences when I try them and they suck, I just get a little bit discouraged. So I kind of avoid it knowing that it's not quite there yet in many ways. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think people discount how real, how real the connections can be, how fun it can be just to play virtual ping pong and go shoot virtual basketball hoops. Like these are all simple things that, yeah, you, you could do in the real world and you should, but when your best friends across the country, right. Or your, your dad is across the country. Like that to me is, is the magic of it and what people really aren't waking up to yet. Um, yeah. So that's a good one. Um, Okay, so last question here. So mm-hmm. rather than seeking answers to some of the biggest challenges that humanity is facing right now, right? people are all freaking out about um, so many things, AI and the metaverse being one of them, they think it's going to ruin our humanity. Um, I don't think anyone has right, the right answers yet to how, to, like, how we should live, how we should prepare for this future. But I think what we can be doing is asking the right questions. I think having good questions is a precursor to get into those answers. So as this wave of change looms over us, tell me, what's the one question that you're asking yourself the most right now about you know, what this future holds for us and what it means to be human in this future world? The thing that comes to mind, and I feel a little... I feel very naive talking about this, but I have the feeling that artificial general intelligence is going to create an age of abundance for people where it, the cost of everything goes down so much because it's so much easier to kind of do everything. And I I, I think about, what 
when that will happen and what impact that'll have on all of our lives and the problems it will solve that uh, we're worried about today. And I don't really, again, like I'm so far, I, I, I haven't studied this enough, but I, I sometimes daydream about it and want to talk to, it, to the right person about it. But I wonder even if like we can, um, it will create such abundance and additional GDP for our country and, or, you know, for our world that like our debt problems aren't a problem anymore, or our country's debt problems aren't a problem anymore, or we're all able to kind of live and thrive and eradicate poverty and massive, like, you know, some of the worst parts of our world. And so I'm super, I'm generally like very optimistic about the way mm -hmm. the world is moving, despite all the, you know, the incidents and things going on in the world today. And, war and, and issues there. I, I'm generally macro, you know, see things moving in the right direction. Like people are living yeah. longer, you know, people are actually working less. There's more time for the things we care about. Um, there are problems that we're facing. Loneliness is one that, you know, we're trying yeah. to solve. And, and, and yet I feel that uh, I'm really interested in kind of how with the, uh, with artificial intelligence, driving down the prices of things that we kind of need in our daily lives, how much mm -hmm. like benefit that's going to provide for everyone in a way that's just like so exciting. And then how to prepare for it, I guess, and how to capitalize on it is a whole nother question, like where to invest money, like where to, um, you know, what things matter for kind of preparing if you have a life or you have a family, you know, if you're, if you and me have a kid tomorrow in 18 years, like what's life going to be like for that person? It's going to yeah. be wild. Are they going to go to college? Like I, I, it'd be fun to one, you know, I'd, this is like 10 questions. Like Cam, I asked for partner. one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. These are yeah. all awesome. These, these are all good. Yeah. So, <laughs> these are all so great. I think those, that's what I, that's one thing I'm thinking about, but I don't know. Uh, it's not really my, it's not my expertise. And so, uh, yeah. um, so, so but, back to this idea of an abundant future and this overall techno optimistic mindset, how, how would you, and this is maybe a tough question, but how would you encapsulate that into a rhetorical question to like ask the world so that they think about it in the way that you do? You know, I guess if, if AI, if we hit the singularity and it's all, it's good, what will matter to you then? And mm. how can you best prepare for that? Mm -hmm. And it might mean, for example, maybe it means, you know, you don't need to have as big a nest egg. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it means you don't need to be working so hard in the meantime. Maybe it means you like absolutely want to and pile as big a nest egg as possible to like, because that's the last time you're ever going to earn money, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think people should, I think it, it, it's a, it's not really pressing right now, but it is something that will affect our lifetime so much that totally. to kind of just let it happen and then be like, ah, oh, oh, I, I could have seen this. I feel like we're going to say, I could have seen this coming, but yeah. um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how people are really prepping for it. Yeah. You have to create these like thought experiments. Right. And, and one example is think about, you know, peasants back in the 1200s. Right. And like all they knew was toiling the land and, you know, milking their cow and um they couldn't imagine a world where they're dating in vr that's for damn sure and so <laughs> how do you how, how do you shatter people's um how do you shatter the fact that people are so locked onto the 
to certain ways of being and operating today. Like people just think that having a salary and working for a company and having your identity tied to a government, you know, these are all just like things that are the way the world is and has to be. And so I think, I think those are all about to be shattered is the reality. And that's, that's the, that's the wild part. So we need to be thinking about removing all these kind of things and think from first principles a bit more. Um, so good stuff, Cam. Well, thanks for coming on Medium Energy. This was an awesome conversation. I can't wait to go experience my own limitless relationships because I'll be honest, they've been pretty limited so far, but I'm excited to watch your journey and I appreciate you making the time, man. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed, please do subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. We have a lot more to come. If you're willing to spare 15 seconds, we would beyond appreciate a quick rating on this podcast. It goes a very long way towards helping this thing grow. Thanks again, and until next time.